May the word of the Lord be in our minds and on our hearts and on our lips. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians, chapter 13, verses 1, 4 through 7 and 13. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing and rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And now faith, hope, and love all abide, these three. And the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. Our God is a very musical God. He is a composer, he is an arranger, he is a conductor, and he is one bang-up instrument maker. How do we know this? Well, we know it through the creation story in Genesis, the first book of Genesis, in which we're told that God first said, let there be light, and there was light. And then there was the dome over the sky and the waters under the sky and the dome and out of the waters came the earth and in the water and on the earth all the creatures swimming and walking and breathing and crawling and God said it was good. He also talked about humans, right? He created man in his own image and likeness to rule over the world, to be in touch with and to interact with and harmonize with his creation. But what does God say? He says, everything else is good, but man is very good. But he's not perfect. God made humans and all of us very good unable to keep our eyes on and ourselves in tune with his conducting. We have been unable and are unable to follow that great command, the Shema in Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, in which Jesus repeats in the New Testament with the great commandment. I am the Lord your God, the one and only. Love me with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your might. And Jesus adds, and your neighbor as yourself. How do we know this? Because we have the second creation story. How do we know man keeps his eyes off God? God again creates man, and he creates his helpmate, Eve. But then, and he tells him, Adam and Eve, you've got everything you need here. Look at me, keep your eyes on me and my commands, you'll be fine, except for that one thing. Don't worry about 
the difference between good and bad. Look at me, I'll tell you. But what happens? We know the story. And we know what happens when Adam and Eve take the bite of the apple. They go hide. And God, in that beautiful scene, one of the most beautiful in my uh, opinion of the Old Testament, God comes walking through in the soft, cool afternoon. Says, Adam, where are you? And at first there's no answer. But then finally Adam comes out from where he's hiding. He skulks out. And God says, Adam, what's up? Where were you? And he says, I was hiding because I was naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? In other words, he said, what took your eyes off of me? Why would you be looking at yourself and even know that? What got you out of tune with my song? God has made each of us an instrument of his in this world of ours. He has made us instruments that are meant to play in tune with God's vision, God's idea of the world, and with each other, and with ourselves. Now I ask you, I want you to take a minute. If you were an instrument, what kind of instrument would you be? Think about it. Well, you might be, uh, as we heard at the uh, service just past, the 930, you might be a flute that sort of trills along and carries the spirits up and helps them soar. You might be a bass, you know, one of those big bass fiddles in a band or in the orchestra. The bass that carries along that low note underneath everything and supports the rest of the music that's being played. Uh, you might be a trumpet. I personally, I would see myself as a trumpet. I'm kind of brassy. And a trumpet could do three kind of things. It could be like Dizzy Gillespie and play bebop. When I've had coffee, I, I bebop along. I can be talking with you and you wonder where I went. I could also be like Miles Davis, playing a very smooth, jazzy piece. When people need to be consoled, when someone's feeling sad or hurt, or when I'm with someone who's lost somebody in their family or, or, or just being consoling. But I can also blart at home. I blart all the time. You know that sound. Uh, irritated with my daughter or my wife or myself something I forgot to do. But I am an instrument, and I don't always show the love that God wants me to. I don't always play according to his music in his tune, in his time, and on his beat. Often, none of us do. Now, this is called to love weekend, and you're probably wondering, how is, what's that got to do with this reading we've had? Well, Paul wrote to the church in Corinth in his letter to the Corinthians for a very specific reason. To give a little background, Corinth is in Greece. And if you know anything from your geography, how many of you remember what Greece looks like? If you don't, I'll help you. You've got Macedonia up at the top, big hunk of land with Athens in it. You've got a big hunk of land beneath that, the Peloponnesus, which has Sparta, which has all the Spartans. And between those two hunks of land, which make up Greece, is a little isthmus, no more than, I don't think it was seven, eight miles wide, which connects the two. And on the tip of that isthmus is a town called Corinth. It was, uh, it was destroyed by the Romans in 154. It was rebuilt by the Romans in 44 uh, AD by Julius Caesar to take some of the, some of the 
overflow from Rome, and it became a city of commerce, and it became a city of profligacy, and it became a city of social climbing and economic riches. It was a port city. It carried goods from as far away as Spain to Greece, and it carried goods from Asia and Syria and the Middle East through there as well. It was, imagine it was like a New York City, and we know what New York City is like. It's got a lot of good sites, but it also got a lot of dirt and grime. It's got a lot of things that aren't necessarily in line with God's tune. So Paul uh, establishes the church in Corinth in 52, about there, and then he lives there for a year and a half. He doesn't just come and set up the church and walk away. He lives with these people. He plays the tune of God's, uh, God's music with these people. He makes tents. He's a tent maker. He eats with them, both in regular meals and also in the Last Supper recreation, the meal of Jesus Christ that he established. He lives with them, and then he leaves and goes his way because we know from the Call to Love series and the Call to Go series that Paul is called to go. So he leaves, and the church lives and continues to grow and to carry on and to play that tune that God has set in their hearts and that Paul has helped foster. But what happens? Three years later, Paul gets a letter from some of the members of that church who say, things aren't going so well. In effect, they're telling him that the local community orchestra isn't playing the way it should be. Things are clanging and clashing. What kind of things are happening? If you've read the letter, you know that Paul specifically talks about uh, divisions within the church, divisions within this economic and social community, uh, deviations from what God wants as far as morality. One thing Paul specifically mentions, there's this big debate about who is, who's got the true message of Christ. Is it Paul or is it Apollos? Who has the message? Who's got it right? Who's playing the tune? And Paul says, neither of us have the tune. You should be looking at Jesus Christ himself because Jesus Christ is the one and only gospel that we need to hear and listen to and follow and play in our own lives. To the social climbers in the church, within the church, not out in the world, these are the Christians living in Corinth. There were social climbers. This is an economic city where you can get rich quick. There are those within the church, the richer folks get to eat at the Last Supper recreation first. They get the bread and the wine, and whatever's left over, the crumbs go to the poorer folks. This stuff happens. Paul says this. He's been told this. The church is not playing the tune. In 1 Corinthians 13, uh, we get and we received sheet music, as it were, for how to play the tune of Jesus Christ. Directions for keeping our eyes on the conductor, keeping our eyes on God and on Jesus Christ, and by doing so, perfecting ourselves and each other. I think it's very significant if you've read the letter of uh, the first letter of the Corinthians, that chapter 13 that we read is preceded by chapter 13, the image, the metaphor of the church as body. A body that must live, whose parts must all live in harmony for it to work and to survive and to live. If you cut off the toe, the body falls over. It cannot support itself. If you cut off the thumb, the body cannot grasp anything and hold it tight. In chapter 14, which immediately follows, 
There's a passage where Paul talks about the gift of prophecy in particular. And he specifically gives the image uh, when talking about prophecy. He says, how can a prophet, how can a lifeless instrument produce any sound unless it gives out its own distinct notes? Paul is teaching the church, reminding the church, and Frank, if you could show the uh, passage again. He's giving us and his church the sheet music. And what are those notes? Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, is not greedy, is not boastful and rude. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. It doesn't sin. It rejoices and tells the truth. So how do we keep our eyes on God, our conductor? On his beat, on his time, in tune with him. How do we do this to make his world hum and not clash and clang? How do we make our church hum and not clash and clang? How do we make our homes hum and not clash and clang? And very briefly, and to put a point to it, Paul tritely says what some would consider a cliché, have love. And he says to have love in any key, in any instrument, in any condition. Now, this is all abilities weekend. And we talk about the various abilities we have. If you came into the service today uh, at 9, well, you are here. Yeah. At 9.30, our group greeted. They greeted the people, brought them in. Here at this service, you got to see them actually play instruments, the chimes, and to play that song that told us so much about God's love for us. What other instruments do we have in our life? My daughter Caroline, who you've heard throughout the service, is a tambourine. And how is she a tambourine? Because she simply clings and clangs and tinkles joy uh, I've seen her in groups with people where a party's going on, and she's just loving being with the people, and she's just jangling with joy. And the people who are at the party jangle with even more joy because she's jangling with joy. That is her way of playing God's tune. We've got a guy in my class, all God's people. We meet every week. We've got a guy, Jacob. And about two months ago, he went to Aaron in special care ministries, and said, what can I do to help in the church? How can I volunteer? And she said, well, let me think about it. Well, they decided on one thing he could do. He could help with child ministries. And what he helps to do is prepare the packages that uh, you sometimes see if you come to service that are handed to the kids. That's Jacob the bass playing that note underneath. Nobody hears it or sees it, but they know it's there. You know, and an instrument, Kath and Caroline, back to the tambourine. She brings joy. Well, because she's wheelchair-bound and doesn't give herself baths, I get to wash your feet. So, she gets to play joy. I get to play joy. I get to play God's tune. I get to do God's work. So, I want you to ask yourself, what kind of instrument are you? And do you play the tune? 
that God gives you and that Jesus gives us all. Are you a bass fiddle? Are you a tambourine? Are you a fife? Are you a piano? Are you a kazoo? Are you a cowbell? Because everybody knows the world needs more cowbell. That's right. So, thank you. Let us do and sing the Lord's song. Amen. 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 Amen.